Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Um, before we get into it, I wanted to thank everybody who listened to my last episode on Tiny the Evil, and sharing in my, I hope you realize, deeply deserved hatred of that show existing, <laughs> because it is a show that tries to glorify Nazis. And if you want to know more of why I don't like that show and why um, Code Geass also grades on me, you can go and you can listen to that episode. It is the previous one in the feed. Um, but unlike Tanya, which never ingratiated itself in my heart, somehow I'm almost done with Code Geass. But um, we'll talk about that on a another podcast, hopefully. But before that... I want to make a little announcement, and it's nothing bad in case you're like, like, oh no, he finally, he's finally giving up, no one's listening to him, and he's going to die, and whatever. I'm not going away. In fact, I'm bringing back an old friend. Uh, so, a couple, a couple, a handful, a bunch of episodes back, I was uploading kind of like retro episodes with my friend Lauren because I had to take care of a dog and, you know, life with disabled dogs. That dog is now not disabled. But what also happened is a little, tiny, minuscule speck of a show is being re-released on Netflix. You You may have heard of it. It's called Evangelion, or maybe it's pronounced um, Everyone Jelly Donut. I, I'm talking about Evangelion, but my best friend from college, who I still talk to pretty much all the time, is one of the bigger fans of Evangelion I've ever met, and... I was able to con her into dealing with Skype on her old-ass computer to talk about it with me on the podcast, um, and that will come out basically either the night before or the same day as Evangelion hits Netflix, at least it should, um, so definitely look forward to that. Me and Lauren are going to have a lot of fun talking about that show because we both have very different but interlocking opinions on it. And it should be a lot of fun, so definitely look forward to it. Um, but this episode, we're going to talk about something... Um, okay, so we're going to talk about something that is entirely the opposite direction of the last episode, which was Tanya the Evil. And that show is... The Time of Eve. Sakin Yosuga Hendesa. Omanjino Roboto? Kitakujika, the Sweetetari. Kinina the Shirabitanda, Kodo Kiroku. Sostara. Cutting your image steto. Logua says Johnny Kakida Salimasta, Master.
店のルール人間とロボットを区別しないロボットと慣れ合いたくて来てんだろ通り系ってやつだな私は人間もアンドロイドもみんな家族だって思ってるよでもね中身は全然違う似てるけど全然違うのよね<笑>私はアンドロイドです人間ではありませんマスター So, um, if any of you are big into video games, you might have been following E3 happening lately, and kind of the talk of the town of the path to E3, which stands for Electronic Entertainment Expo, I believe. I think I'm, I'm very proud of being able to remember that.、Um, is a game called Cyberpunk 2077. And Cyberpunk 2077 is based off of a, like, a universe that involves a tabletop game. And Cyberpunk, as, and it's also rooted in Cyberpunk, the actual like, visual and aesthetic thing. And, and like, Cyberpunk, the genre, so to speak. And one of the top things about cyberpunk is what is body modification and what's、um, commonly referred to as transhumanism. And what transhumanism attempts to ask is interesting and complicated and controversial, and that is what does it mean to be a human being? What, what does it mean? What, are the, what does a human being look like? What is their body like? What is their. Like, what, what is a human? Like, if you boiled away all the unnecessary parts, what would be left that would definitely be a human? And it, you can find different answers in all different kinds of cyberpunk shows.、Um, in Ghost in the Shell, they. Talk about specifically the major characters, specifically talk to the major and ask her, Why do you continue to have a female body? Like, I get it that you were born a girl, but you might as well just get a male body. People would respect you more. Usually, she then hacks into the brain and makes them punch themselves, and she's like, Respect this, bitch. Boom.、Um, that's a pretty kind of scratching the surface, jokey answer. Um, for somebody like me, somebody who has survived, who's gone two rounds in the ring with brain cancer, and as a result is physically disabled, the kind of transhumanist question takes on a new meaning. And that is the idea that I, at some point, if cyberpunk goes a certain way for me, <laughs> which it usually won't. Um, I will get to have a new body, a body that works the way 
I want it to exactly. And that doesn't just go for me or disabled people. It goes for anybody. It goes for people who are transgendered, people who are, you know, have some kind of some kind of issue with the body they are stuck in. And I say stuck in because it, for those people who don't know what it's like to n not feel like your physical form measures up, it is it's hard to understand that that's a real feeling and that you should never shot that you need to understand that it doesn't make us any less, it doesn't make us any different. It means that we have a goal for our physical self that in some cases is unattainable. And the reason why I bring up cyberpunk as a genre and transhumanism as an idea is because another thing that transhumanism constantly asks is, what is a human? Like, what does, like, what is the A plus B factor that makes a human being, that makes a viable human being? And in Time of Eve's case, it gets more interesting because this is a very melancholy show, or at least it starts out as a very melancholy show. And it starts out with a young guy by the name of. Riku, Riku, I guess that's how, Rico. I think his name is Rico, and Rico is in a version of the world where androids are commonplace, meaning, like, the androids are now, like, not quite so inexpensive that everyone can have one, but inexpensive enough where a family of some means could probably afford one the way they could afford a nice vacuum cleaner or a Mercedes-Benz or something like that. And he eventually comes home and finds out that his android, Sammy, has been just going out for strolls on her own. And what that was, and to him that seems odd because he's always taken androids for granted, and he just finds it strange. Um, now, it's important that if you've never seen this show, you realize when I say android, I don't mean like she's shiny and she's metal. I mean she is looks like a normal person in the in this story's world. And basically, she lifts up her shirt, and she's got robot parts that she can, like, plug into and charge with. And the cover of this... The cover of this show is actually the main character, R Rico, sitting next to her as she kind of does a data uplink while she holds up her button-down blouse. And it's just this, like... It almost looks like a digital vault that, like, just a wire comes out of and it's plugged in off, like, outside of the cover image. And he's sitting, and he's just sitting there 
extremely awkwardly, and and this is I think this is key. The title of the show is kind of spaced out around the two of them, and his face is kind of tense. Hers is just all but emotionless. Because this is just a thing that as a robot she does, there's nothing attached to it at all. But what's... What happens next in the story is really interesting, because eventually he's like, well, where, where do you go? And she's like, I'll show you. Because in, in her programming, she can't not answer the question. But she takes him to a bar called Time of Eve, and this is where the show gets its title. And the bar uh, has unusual bar rules, and it's just a normal... It's a, it, it is, a, for all intents and purposes, a normal bar. But there is one very important condition. And that condition is that you can't ask if someone's an android or not. And... first glance, this seems odd. And, but at second glance, you start to realize that it, if, uh, if that's wiped away, then everything, then all the, like, barriers set up around interactions between human characters and robot characters can disappear and some kind of semblance of a real relationship of any kind can happen. Um, and so I'm going to briefly dive into a different property uh, that deals with kind of the same thing. Um, it's a Joaquin Phoenix movie that came out a couple years ago called Her. And Her... A AI program, um, I forget what the AI program's name was, um, but it's played by the voices, Scarlett Johansson's voice. Um, basically, Joaquin Phoenix buys this program, and the program grows, like, m m gains mental ability, like, grows to the point where it would pass the Turing test. And if you don't know what the Turing test is, the Turing test is a test that scientists suppose use to see whether or not a AI has some kind of sentient ability. And most, and I don't think there is an AI that's passed the Turing test. Um, but in her the Scarlett Johansson's like voiced AI along with all of these other all these other variants of that same AI not only separate from each other completely but they gain they each gain their own individual um auto autonomy and um what's what's the word I just said it um autonomy and um, personality, and, like, they, they, they become, and sentience is the word I was looking for. 
but that means that they like basically turn into people without the body for all intents and purposes. They they turn into people with the brain and the voice, but not the body. And th there have been tons of uh, of cyberpunk and sci-fi um, material that deals with this. Uh, another one is Blade Runner, the replicants in both Blade Runner movies, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Um, also Blade Runner... Uh, I think it's 2022 is uh, Blackout is a like it's a sub it's a sub it's a like subhead of that it it was an anime property directed by the director of Cowboy Bebop it's I believe that one's on um Crunchyroll so it's Time of Eve you can watch both there but um so that's basically the idea of Time of Eve. But the thing about most societies with robots is there's a reason why... So, I, And this, this is going to be a little com complicated to deal with as a show just on its own because the rules it's functioning under are societal rules that are starting to be set up now around mostly voice assistance. So... If you think about the three voice assistants that are on offer, um, you get Siri, Alexa, and Google and Google Voice, and what's called Google Assistant. Now, with Siri and Alexa, they both have female names, or at least female-coded names. Um, and the reason for that is actually, it, it psychologically, it is easier to trust um, anything with a female name than it is to trust anything with a male name. Um, and that's been that's psychological. That's not super set in stone, but it is like a psychological checkpoint that both Siri and Alexa hit. And I'm sorry if I'm setting off your Amazon buddies or whatever, um, but um, but I'm saying I'm saying the 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 normal wake word because the other wake word will wake mine up and that'll be bad. <laughs> but um, because I don't have to yell at it, which I have done on the podcast before. Um, the reason why Google made a definitive decision not to name its voice assistant and just call it Google Assistant, just name it like it's a utility, is because that's what they want it to be. And they don't want... A, they didn't want to apply a gender to the name, and B, they don't want to... They want to keep that separation. In the same weird way that everybody thinks, like, dogs should have dog names, like Pero, or, like, my dog's named Karma, or anything like that. The, there is a common belief that robots should not have human names, and should, that like, 
robotic things like voice assistants and all that should have um, names that distinguish them as what they are. And they're not human, so they shouldn't have human names. Now, you know, that, that the argument for that falls apart pretty quickly, especially in a show like Time of Eve. Now, the argument for that in reality, in our universe, is if you look at a product like the Amazon Assistant or Siri compared to a product like Google Assistant, and you look at young kids, young kids don't have the that barrier yet. They don't. They don't have a lot of barriers, and I love young kids for for that reason. They don't. Um. They. For me, I like, you know, play playing with. I like playing with kids when I was a camp counselor. I like you know my cousins when they were younger because they don't have an immediate response to my disability, and I thought it's like a nice thing to be like. Oh no, it's like it, it, he's not disabled. He's Alex. Hi, Alex. Um, and that, that, like, I'm not gonna go kidnap kids from a park. I'm not creepy, I promise. Um, but, the other thing that they, the, in not having those barriers, they don't have a barrier that makes them completely understand that, you know, the Amazon Assistant or Siri aren't real. <laughs> They just respond to the voice as if it is real because they don't have, uh, they can't always completely tell. You know, the voice comes out of a box, but, you know, um, mom's voice comes out of my cell phone, comes out of the phone sometimes. That's probably the same thing. And, um, the, so that that's like, companies' real-world arguments for and against, like, giving technology human names. And once again, that's why Google named its, named its assistant Google Assistant, because it's not a name, it's basically a command, <laughs> like a command line. It's, it's, a, it's a proper noun for a thing, not a person, whereas... Alexa, sorry, and Siri are proper names that are applied to people. And that's really important in, ter in terms of Time of Eve, because this is a world where you're led to believe that people are applying, like, human names to androids, but then immediately not giving them the same respect as they give a human. And what's important there is that they're basically bestowing humanity, but not honoring it. And in the bar, in Time of Eve, Time of Eve, by not asking, by forbidding people from asking the question of, are you an android? you remove that barrier that says, don't treat this person like a human. And 
it comes up a it comes up as a joke a couple times. Um, there's one time when somebody walks into the bar at a uh, android walks into the bar, and he's just like broken down android. He's got like no skin left. He's got an eye like hanging out of the socket by the like wires, and Ruko just looks at him, and the bartender's like, I will kick you out if you say anything. And he's like, but, but, but. And she's like, just ignore it. Just treat him like everybody else. That's the rule. And eventually he does. And what... So, what's... What's chiefly interesting here for me is... Not just that it made that... It's not that it made that a joke. But that it did that in a way that's applicable to something like a disabled person being auto automatically treated like everybody else. So, um... When I was younger, and I may yet go back as a counselor, I keep saying to myself I will, there was a camp I attended called Camp Happy Times. Um, and that camp... Um was a um w was a camp for kids who had survived cancer and what's really important there is that because those kids had survived because we had all been through some semblance of the same experience and a common result of that experience with disability. When we were younger, there were some dust-ups and, like, some kids who were just assholes, like, were told, you are not welcome back. <laughs> and that, that happens. And that happens, it happens notably in Time of Eve. People who break the rule of not asking whether or not someone's an android get kicked out of the bar and they never get to come back. And that will always happen. I, I don't... So I was thinking about this earlier today, and in regard to something like the Me Too movement, there's this rush to cast people aside who commit some kind of crime that's only now been defined, and, ha and it is good that that crime has been defined, because women, and women in particular, but also people of any kind of difference have been harassed, abused, and pushed aside for their entire life. And it is to the social good to correct that and punish the people who are intentionally doing that stuff for that reason. But there are also people who are unintentionally doing that stuff, or intentionally doing that stuff, and both exist. And don't, but can be brought, can be brought along and can be taught, no, this is, that's bad. This is, like, no, you can't just smack a girl on the ass in, if you're a doc. You can't just smack a nurse on the ass if you're a doctor anymore. It's not 1950. Even when it was 1950, it wasn't okay. But now, we've all decided it's not okay. Not just the girl whose ass hurts now. You jerk. And there are people who
who will learn from that and they will change from that. And there are people who will not learn from that, do it again, and then they're out. And it's important, but it's important that you make space for people to learn and to grow and you don't just toss people aside because people change. Their their opinions change. Their worlds slide left and right all the time. Depending sometimes on the direction of the wind. <laughs> and but there will be people who did no saving. They get left behind permanently. Just the way it is. And that happens in time of be People get kicked out of the bar and they're not allowed to come back ever again. And, but in Ruko's case, what this is, what this show is about is learning, A, to treat the android who, li who lived with them, who, yes, his parents bought, but who lived with them and cared for him like a person, not like a appliance. It's, she's not a freaking doorbell <laughs> that connects to his phone via an app. She's a, she has a body. You come to find out she has thoughts and feelings. And Ruko, by going through all of this stuff, or uh, Rico, I guess his name is, um, it's R-I-K-U-O, so I'm going to say Rico, um, but it's, it, by learning that, by learning to do that, he grows as a person, um, so, to give you an idea of a real-world application of, like, the Time of Eve thing, um, a little while ago, the Amazon Echoes, I think I'm safe, um, added, a Amazon added to the Amazon Echo a function that lets you say multiple commands. And they also released a kid's version of the Echo. And I'm once, now I'm sorry for turning everybody's Amazon products on that use the wake word echo. I apologize, but there's no way to get around this. Um, and I'm not ordering you anything. Um, <laughs> I promise. And of course mine turns on. Um, but the, so basically they added the ability to do continuous commands. So after you give it a command, it will ding again and it will keep listening for a couple minutes, for a couple seconds afterwards. And a tech reporter over on The Verge, I think it was Dieter Bones, said that what they were also doing is they were giving you the opportunity to treat your device, your smart assistant, like you treat a person. Because before, you would basically say the wake word, shout the command, it would listen to you or not, and it would like do whatever you asked, or give you whatever information you wanted. That was the end. It was a purely 
like command response computer basic computer input output scenario but with the addition with with the addition of like a continuous command function what you could do is you could say okay what's the weather give you the weather and then you could say thank you and that thank you is really important and what and what's really interesting is that the kids version of the Amazon Assistant is basically, I think, requires a please and thank you at the beginning and end. Because it, and that is Amazon realizing that its assistant, that its voice assistant, is recognized by kids as an adult presence. Because you can program it to remind your kids to do things. Your kids can ask for help. Your kids can ask for things, and then the Amazon Amazon's assistant voice can refuse. It's an authoritative figure, so they are using that to try and supposedly keep teach kids manners to say please and thank you as your as our parents all yell at us to do all the time. Um, but what's interesting, what's also interesting, is this teaching the kids. To acknowledge the, a voice assistant in the same way you would acknowledge a human. And that's important. That's a big shift. That's a big ask. And it may not be okay. But in time of Eve... and the, So, the thing that separates these, if it seems like, like I'm not okay with kids thinking... You know, Amazon's assistant, Amazon's voice assistant is, like, a human, but I'm okay with the android in, um, Time of Eve being treated like they're human and being seen like they're human. It's because of intent. I, Amazon's intent with having kids treat these voice assistants like they're human is to weave them into the fabric of everyday life so they can ultimately sell you more toilet paper. Time of Eve's intent with the with its assist, with the androids is to show you that being human isn't always so measurable as to be just you have a flesh and bone body and a flesh and, and a flesh made brain that being human and respecting that being human and being alive and having um cognitive thought and autonomy is does not mean human. It that it only means that because that's the only thing that we've found that we recognize it in yet so far. But if a but if a android has a has a human form can do all the ta can do all the tasks that a human can do all of them and has opinions of any kind then it should be considered 
on the same level as human. Why? And to to that end, you know, is an amputee less human because there's less of them physically? Is a mentally disabled person less human because there's less of them mentally? And I don't mean, like, less, as in, like, there's less brain matter in there. I mean that they function at, they don't function at, as a hot, at the same level. The answer that you give is no. But what this also does is it, is by making that so stark, it also shows us where where we've applied that before and made it seem okay. So, for example, when you go to the drive-thru and you go get any kind of food, in the back of your head, you realize, oh, the people serving me my food are human. It makes sense. But when you get up to the window, you just kind of hand them money and, like, speed off with your burger and fries or whatever. The inequality... The, there's an inherent inequality to... service class... to the service and the served that is... that... that suggests that you should treat someone somehow with less respect. And I'm not saying that you, that you the listener, do or do it on purpose, or whatever. I'm not accusing you of that. But what, I'm, what I am saying is that there are plenty of people who don't acknowledge that just because someone works at Burger King, just because someone comes to clean your house, just because someone does something for you, does not make them less than you, does not make them less valuable, does not make them whole people with whole lives. And commonly in um cyber in cyberpunk stories the worst version of which I'm told I haven't played the game because I only own a Switch currently um is in Detroit Become Human in many cyberpunk stories Those the, the narrative uses androids to explore an underclass, to explore a class of people who were designed to be maids, butlers, you know, housekeepers, nannies, all of the above, and explore and by them becoming sentient and becoming like useful and, and becoming and wanting full lives, it starts to explore how the people being served by those androids are abusing these people simply because society is set up that you don't treat them like humans. Because they're not human. They will never be human. That's, and that will never matter. There's a, there's a similar... There is an occurrence like this in... In... 
human history, and that occurrence is, of course, slavery. Um, and if you're like, wait, what? Of course, slavery. Where, how did we get to this? If you think about it, it makes sense. And I'm not kidding. The, when slaves were a thing, when slavery was still in effect, slaves did everything for their owners, for the quote-unquote owners. And when I, when I say everything, I mean they tended to the house, they tended to the fields, they drew baths, they did they prepared clothes. They did all of the, like, little shit that, you know, we all do now, but we all really don't want to do. And we all think to ourselves, I, I could live with nine butlers, one for each thing I never want to touch again. And that, in, in the wealthiest case, was what slavery was for white people. And in the worst cases, it was a form of, like, slavery also led to sexual abuse, rape, unwanted pregnancy, the whole nightmare. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. There is a section of my of my 23andMe chart that I affectionately refer to, and I told this to a a porn star who says a hundred percent Japanese, a hundred percent inbred in response to her chart, I said, it's okay. This is a section of my of my chart that I lovingly refer to as some slave shit. Because I am half white, half black. But in my ancest in my ancestry DNA, the white butts right up against a lot of your, like, Caucasian, European, Anglo-Saxon nightmare stuff. And what that basically says is, some masters were having sex with some slaves. <laughs> and th does that make me any less of who I am? Does that make me not half black, not half white? No. It means that there was an abuse of power. And the world of Time of Eve suggests that not the sexual abuse of power exists, although I'm sure it does, um, but that the service imbalance of power exists, and that the servants, the servant class, the androids, are starting to gain an interior life, slowly but surely. It's not, it's shown as not being quite there yet, but it ultimately will get there. And you see that bloom in the relationship between Rico and Sammy. And that relationship happens at first exclusively in Time of Eve. But then, more and more, and slowly but surely in their everyday life and in the way that that in the, in the way that they treat each other and but primarily the way Rico treats Sammy the the android in in their private lives and even in their public life 
Rico finds himself standing up for her. Rico finds himself not asking her to do so much. Rico finds himself caring for her. And what's great about the show is that at no point does the show act, cause the main character to ask, like, why do I feel this way? It's just kind of slowly but quietly accepted. And it's just... It's this beautiful... It, turn, it turns into this beautiful story of the barriers fall, falling away and of the like, societal structures that caused change to be unacceptable when it did happen, be moved aside by at least one person to allow it to happen. And that's, that's really important, because oftentimes, when change isn't allowed to happen, it's just gonna... It just gonna happen no matter what. Um, and so I, I mainly kind of came to the conclusion to do this episode because my other episode was so about, like, fighting against a tendency some anime has to glorify the separation of people by gender, nationality, religion, whatever. And I talked about that mostly with Tanya, but also a little bit with Code Geass. I've continued watching Code Geass. That show has changed as it's gone on, but there's still this core belief of one race versus another race that I find just very unnerving. Even if they've stopped in where I am in the show, even if they stopped dealing with the this land is our land and nobody fucking else is get the fuck off it. Um but they want to but they still want to lean on the like Japanese on the idea of someone being Japanese and someone being Britannian and like that you can identify that shit. So, um, but on that note, if you like this episode, or if you want to get ready for the Ava episode I'll be doing with my friend Lauren, also, before I go, because I know it plays sometimes in her car, and if she got this far, hi Liz! Um, <laughs> but, if you're looking forward to the, um, What's it called? To the episode with me and Lauren about Evangelion that's coming up, I think, next week, probably. Yeah, next week, I think, is when that will probably go up. Um, but, well, next week, next week is the 20th to 21st, so yeah, it'll probably go up then. But, um, subscri- you can subscribe to this podcast in anywhere you're listening to this, or on Apple, I'm on Apple, I'm on Google, I'm on... Pocket Cast, I'm on Overcast, I'm on all the things, so you can subscribe on any of those platforms. You can also leave me a five-star review on any of those platforms. Um, That really helps the podcast. And the other thing I will tell you is, if you like anime and you've got a group of friends who like anime, I would 
wager they haven't heard this show, you know, share it with them. Say, like, hey, there's this guy who's been watching anime since he was nine, and he's 30 now because he's super old, and he he makes an interesting podcast once a week about a show or a movie, usually anime, but sometime, but always related to anime somehow. And he's got this episode, super timely episode coming up on Evangelion. Maybe you should check it out if you've never seen that show because the world has become a weird mirror dimension in which the top two shows are not Cowboy Bebop and Evangelion. And on some level that makes my heart sing, on the other level it makes me weirdly sad, but that's probably because I'm old and confused. Um, <laughs> but hey everybody, until my name is next time, Lunchbox Radio. You've um, been listening to Lunchbox Radio. It, I want Alex, everybody who listened to my I'll last episode on later. Tiny the Evil, and sharing in my I hope you realize deeply deserved hatred of that show existing. <laughs> because it is a show that tries to glorify Nazis. And if you want to know more of why I don't like that show and why um, Code Geass also grades on me, you can go and you can listen to that episode. It is the previous one in the feed. Um, but unlike Tanya, which never ingratiated itself in my heart, somehow I'm almost done with Code Geass. But um, we'll talk about that on a... Another podcast, hopefully. But before that, I want to make a little announcement. And it's nothing bad in case you're like, like, oh no, he finally, he's finally giving up. No one's listening to him and he's going to die and whatever. I'm not going away. In fact, I'm bringing back an old friend. Uh, so, a couple... A couple a handful, bunch of episodes back, I was uploading kind of like retro episodes with my friend Lauren because I had to take care of a dog and, you know, life with disabled dogs. That dog is now not disabled. But what also happened is a little, tiny, minuscule speck of a show is being re-released on Netflix. You you may have heard of it. It's called Evangelion, or maybe it's pronounced um, Everyone Jelly Donut. I, I'm talking about Evangelion, but my best friend from college, who I still talk to pretty much all the time, is. One of the bigger fans of Evangelion I've ever met. And I was able to con her into <laughs> dealing with Skype on her old-ass computer to talk about it with me on the podcast. Um, and that will come out basically either the night before or the same day as Evangelion hits Netflix. At least it should. Um... So, definitely look forward to that. Me and Lauren are going to have a lot of fun talking about that show because we both have very different but interlocking opinions on it. And it should be a lot of fun, so definitely look forward to it. 
Um, but this episode, we're going to talk about something... Um, okay, so we're going to talk about something that is entirely uh, the opposite direction of the last episode, which was Tanya the Evil. And that show is The Time of Eve. So, um, if any of you are big into video games, you might have been following E3 happening lately, and kind of the talk of the town of the path to E3, which stands for Electronic Entertainment Expo, I believe. I think I'm, I'm very proud of being able to remember that, um, is a game called Cyberpunk 2077. And Cyberpunk 2077 is based off of a, a universe that involves a tabletop game. And Cyberpunk, as and it's also rooted in Cyberpunk, the actual, like, visual and aesthetic thing. And, and like, Cyberpunk, the genre, so to speak. And one of the top things about cyberpunk is what is body modification and what's um, commonly referred to as transhumanism. And what transhumanism attempts to ask is interesting and complicated and controversial, and that is, what does it mean to be a human being? What, what does it mean... What does a what does a human being look like? What is their body like? What is their like? What what is a human like? If you boiled away all the unnecessary parts, what would be left that would definitely be a human? And it, you can find different answers in all different kinds of cyberpunk shows. Um, in Ghost in the Shell, they talk about specifically the major character specifically talk to the major and ask her why do you continue to have a female body like I get it that you were born a girl but you might as well just get a male body people would respect you more usually she then hacks into the brain and makes them punch themselves and she's like respect this bitch boom um that's a pretty kind of scratching the surface jokey answer um, for somebody like me, somebody who has survived, who's gone two rounds in the ring with brain cancer, and as a result is physically disabled, the kind of transhumanist question takes on a new meaning, and that is the idea that I, at some point, if cyberpunk goes a certain way for me, <laughs> which it usually won't, um, I will get to have a new body, a body that works the way I want it to exactly. And that doesn't just go for me or disabled people, it goes for anybody. It goes for people who are transgendered, people who are, you know, have some kind of 
some kind of issue with the body they are stuck in. And I say stuck in because for those people who don't know what it's like to not feel like your physical form measures up, it is it's hard to understand that that's a real feeling and that you should never shot that you need to understand that it doesn't make us any less it doesn't make us any different it means that we have a goal for our physical self that in some cases is unattainable and the reason why i bring up cyberpunk as a genre and transhumanism as an idea is because another thing that transhuman constantly asks is what is a human like what does like what is the a plus b factor that makes a human being that makes a viable human being and in time of eve's case it gets more interesting because this is a very melancholy show or at least it starts out as a very melancholy show and it starts out with a young guy by the name of Riku. Riku? I guess that's how. Rico? I think his name is Rico. And Rico is in a version of the world where androids are commonplace, meaning, like, the androids are now, like, not quite. So inexpensive that everyone can have one, but inexpensive enough where a family of some means could probably afford one the way they could afford a nice vacuum cleaner or a Mercedes-Benz or something like that. And he eventually comes home and finds out that his android, Sammy, has been just... Going out for strolls on her own, and what that was, <laughs> and to him that seems odd because he's always taken androids for granted, and he just finds it strange. Um, now it's important that if you've never seen this show, you realize when I say android, I don't mean like she's shiny and she's metal. I mean she is looks like a normal person in the in this story's world and basically she lifts up her shirt and she's got robot parts that she can like plug into and charge with and the cover of this the cover of this show is actually the main character R Rico sitting next to her as she kind of does a data uplink while she holds up her button-down blouse, and it's just this, like, it almost looks like a digital vault that, like, just a wire comes out of and it's plugged in off, like, outside of the cover image. And he's sitting, and he's just sitting there extremely awkwardly, and, and this is, I think this is key, the title of the show is kind of spaced out around the two of them. And 
his face is kind of tense. Hers is just all but emotionless. Because this is just a thing that as a robot she does, there's nothing attached to it at all. But what's... What happens next in the story is really interesting because eventually he's like, well, where, where do you go? And she's like, I'll show you. Because in, in her programming, she can't not answer the question. So she takes him to a bar called Time of Eve, and this is where the show gets its title. And the bar uh, has unusual bar rules, and it's just a normal... It's a, it, it is a, for all intents and purposes, a normal bar. But there is one very important condition. And that condition is that you can't ask if someone's an android or not. And at first glance, this seems odd. And but at second glance, you start to realize that it, if uh, if that's wiped away, then everything, then all the like barriers set up around interactions between human characters and robot characters can disappear. And some kind of semblance of a real relationship of any kind can happen. Um, and so I'm going to briefly dive into a different property uh, that deals with kind of the same thing. Um, it's a Joaquin Phoenix movie that came out a couple years ago called Her. And Her, a AI program... Um, I forget what the AI program's name was, um, but it's played by the voices, Scarlett Johansson's voice. Um, basically, Joaquin Phoenix buys this program, and the program grows, like, m gains mental ability, like, grows to the point where it would pass the Turing test. And if you don't know what the Turing test is, the Turing test is a tests that scientists suppose use to see whether or not a AI has some kind of sentient ability. And most and I don't think there is an AI that's passed the Turing test. Um but in her the Scarlett Johansson's like voiced AI along with all of these other all these other variants of that same AI not only separate from each other completely but they gain they each gain their own individual um auto autonomy and um what's what's the word I just said it um autonomy and um personality and, like, they, they, they become... And sentience is the word I was looking for. But that means that they, like, basically turn into people without the body. For all intents and purposes. They, they turn into people with the brain and the voice, but not the body. And 
there have been tons of uh, of cyberpunk and sci-fi um, material that deals with this. Uh, another one is Blade Runner, the replicants in both Blade Runner movies, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Um, also, Blade Runner... Uh, I think it's 2022. Is a blackout is a like it's a sub it's a sub it's a like subhead of that. It it was an anime property directed by the director of Cowboy Bebop. It's I believe that one's on um Crunchyroll. So it's Time of Eve. You can watch both there. But um so that's basically the idea of Time of Eve. But the thing about most societies with robots is there's a reason why so I, and this this is going to be a little com complicated to deal with as a show just on its own because the rules it's functioning under are societal rules that are starting to be set up now around mostly voice assistance so if you think about the three voice assistants that are on offer um, you get Siri, Alexa, and Google and Google Voice, and what's called Google Assistant. Now, with Siri and Alexa, they both have female names, or at least female coded names. Um, and the reason for that is actually it, it psychologically. It's easier to trust um, anything with a female name than it is to trust anything with a male name, um, and that's been that's like a lot. That's not super set in stone, but it is like a psychological checkpoint that both Siri and Alexa hit. And I'm sorry if I'm setting off your Amazon buddies or whatever, um, but. <laughs> Um, but I'm saying, I'm saying the, the, the normal wake word, because the other wake word will wake mine up, and that'll be bad. <laughs> but, um, because I don't have to yell at it, which I have done on the podcast before. Um, the reason why Google made a definitive decision not to name its voice assistant and just call it Google Assistant, just name it like it's a utility, is because that's what they want it to be. And they don't want... A, they didn't want to apply a gender to the name, and B, they don't want to... They want to keep that separation. In the same weird way that everybody thinks, like, dogs should have dog names, like Pero, or like my dog's named Karma, or anything like that. The, there is a common belief that robots should not have human names, and should, that like, robotic things, like voice assistants and all that, should have um, names that distinguish them as what they are, and they're not humans, so they shouldn't have human names. Now, 
you know that that the argument for that falls apart pretty quickly, especially in a show like Time of Eve. Now, the argument for that in reality in our universe is if you look at a product like the Amazon Assistant or Siri compared to a product like Google Assistant and you look at young kids, young kids don't have the that barrier yet. They don't. They don't have a lot of barriers, and I love young kids for for that reason. They don't. Um. They. For me, I like, you know, play playing with. I like playing with kids when I was a camp counselor. I like you know my cousins when they were younger because they don't have an immediate response to my disability, and I thought it's like a nice thing to be like. Oh no, it's like it, it, he's not disabled. He's Alex. Hi, Alex. Um, and that, that, like, I'm not gonna go kidnap kids from a park. I'm not creepy, I promise. Um, but, the other thing that they, the, in not having those barriers, they don't have a barrier that makes them completely understand that, you know, the Amazon Assistant or Siri aren't real. <laughs> They just respond to the voice as if it is real because they don't have, uh, they can't always completely tell. You know, the voice comes out of a box, but, you know, um, mom's voice comes out of my cell phone, comes out of the phone sometimes. That's probably the same thing. And, um, the, so that, that's like, company's real-world arguments for and against, like, giving technology human names. And once again, that's why Google named its, named its assistant Google Assistant, because it's not a name, it's basically a command, <laughs> like a command line. It's, it's, a, it's a proper noun for a thing, not a person, whereas... Alexa, sorry, and Siri are proper names that are applied to people. And that's really important in, ter in terms of Time of Eve, because this is a world where you're led to believe that people are applying, like, human names to androids, but then immediately not giving them the same respect as they give a human. And what's important there is that they're basically bestowing humanity, but not honoring it. And in the bar, in Time of Eve, Time of Eve, by not asking, by forbidding people from asking the question of, are you an android? you remove that barrier that says, don't treat this person like a human. And it comes up, a co it comes up as a joke a couple times. Um, there's one time when somebody walks into the bar, an well, uh, android walks into the bar, and he's this, like, broken-down android. He's got, like, 
no skin left. He's got an eye, like, hanging out of the socket by the, like, wires. And Ruko just looks at him, and the bartender's like, I will kick you out if you say anything. And he's like, but, but, but. And she's like, just ignore it. Just treat him like everybody else. That's the rule. And eventually he does. And what... So, what's... What's chiefly interesting here for me is not just that it made that, it's not that it made that a joke, but that it did that in a way that's applicable to something like a disabled person being auto automatically treated like everybody else. So, um... When I was younger, and I may yet go back as a counselor, I keep saying to myself I will, there was a camp I attended called Camp Happy Times. Um, and that camp um, was a um, w was a camp for kids who had survived cancer. And was really important there is that because those kids had survived, because we had all been through some semblance of the same experience, and a common result of that experience was disability, when we were younger there were some dust-ups and, like, some kids who were just assholes, like, were told, you are not welcome back. And that, that happens, and that happens, it happens notably in Time of Eve. People who break the rule of not asking whether or not someone's an android get kicked out of the bar and they never get to come back. And that will always happen. I, I don't... So I was thinking about this earlier today, and in regards to something like the Me Too movement, there's this rush to cast people aside who commit some kind of crime that's only now been defined and ha and it is good that that crime has been defined because women and women in particular but also people of any kind of difference have been harassed, abused and pushed aside for their entire life and it is to the social good to correct that and punish the people who are intentionally doing that stuff for that reason. But there are also people who are unintentionally doing that stuff, or intentionally doing that stuff, and both exist. And don't... But can be brought... Can be brought along and can be taught, no, this is that bad, this is like... No, you can't just smack a girl on the ass in, if you're a doctor. You can't just smack a nurse on the ass if you're a doctor anymore. It's not 1950. Even when it was 1950, it wasn't okay. But now, we've all decided it's not okay. Not just the girl whose ass hurts now. You jerk. And there are people who will learn from that, and they will change from that. And there are people who will not learn from that, do it again, and then they're out. And 
it's important, but it's important that you make space for people to learn and to grow, and you don't just toss people aside because people change, their their opinions change, their worlds slide left and right all the time, depending sometimes on the direction of the wind. <laughs> and but there will be people who did no saving. They get left behind permanently, just the way it is. And that happens in time of B. People get kicked out of the bar and they're not allowed to come back ever again. And but in Ruko's case, what this is what this show is about is learning A to treat the android who li- who lived with them, who, yes, his parents bought, but who lived with them and cared for him like a person, not like a appliance. It, she's not a freaking doorbell <laughs> that connects to his phone via an app. She's a, she has a body. You come to find out she has thoughts and feelings and... Ruko, by going through all of this stuff, or uh, Rico, I guess his name is, um, it's R-I-K-U-O, so I'm going to say Rico, um, but it's, it, by learning that, by learning to do that, he grows as a person. Um, so... To give you an idea of a real-world application of, like, the Time of Eve thing, um, a little while ago, the Amazon Echoes, I think I'm safe, um, added, Amazon added to the Amazon Echo a function that lets you say multiple commands, and they also released a kid's version of the Echo. And I'm once now I'm sorry for turning everybody's Amazon products on that use the wake word Echo. I apologize. But there's no way to get around this. Um and I'm not ordering you anything. Um <laughs> I promise. And of course mine turns on. Um but the so basically they added the ability to do continuous commands. So, after you give it a command, it will ding again, and it will keep listening for a couple min- for a couple seconds afterwards. And a uh, tech reporter over on The Verge, I think it was Dieter Bone, said that what they were also doing is they were giving you the opportunity to treat your device, your smart assistant, like you treat a person. Because before... You would basically say the wake word, shout the command, it would listen to you or not, it would, like, do whatever you asked, or give you whatever information you wanted. That was the end. It was a purely, like, command response, computer, basic computer, input-output scenario. But with with, with the addition of, like, a continuous command function, what you could do is you could say... Okay, what's the weather? 
give you the weather. And then you could say, thank you. And that thank you is really important. And what and what's really interesting is that the kids version of the Amazon Assistant is basically, I think, requires a please and thank you at the beginning and end. Because it, and that is Amazon realizing that its assistant, that its voice assistant, is recognized by kids as an adult presence. Because you can program it to remind your kids to do things. Your kids can ask for help. Your kids can ask for things, and then the Amazon Amazon's assistant voice can refuse. It's an authoritative figure. So they are using that to try and supposedly keep, teach kids manners. To say please and thank you as you as our parents all yell at us to do all the time. Um, but what's interesting, what's also interesting, is this teaching the kids to acknowledge the a voice assistant in the same way you would acknowledge a human, and that's important. <laughs> that's a big shift. That's a big ask. And may not be okay. But in time of Eve, and the, so the thing that separates these, if it seems like like I'm not okay with kids thinking, you know, Amazon's assistant, Amazon's voice assistant is like a human, but I'm okay with the android in um time of Eve being treated like they're human and being seen like they're human, it's because of intent. I, Amazon's intent with having kids treat these voice assistants like they're human is to weave them into the fabric of everyday life so they can ultimately sell you more toilet paper. Time of Eve's intent with the with its assist with the androids is to show you that being human isn't always so measurable as to be just you have a flesh and bone body and a flesh and, and a flesh made brain that being human and Respect it, that being human and being alive and having um, cognitive thought and autonomy is does not mean human. It that it only means that because that's the only thing that we've found that we recognize it in yet so far. But if a but if a android has a hu- has a human form can do all the ta- can do all the tasks that a human can do all of them and has opinions of any kind then it should be considered on the same level as human why and to to that end you know is an amputee less human because there's less of them physically is 
a mentally disabled person less human because there's less of them mentally. And I don't mean, like, less, as in, like, there's less brain matter in there. I mean that they function at, they don't function at, as a hot, at the same level. The answer that you give is no. But what this also does is it, is by making that so stark, it also shows us where where we've applied that before and made it seem okay. So, for example, when you go to the drive-thru and you go get any kind of food, in the back of your head, you realize, oh, the people serving me my food are human. It makes sense. But when you get up to the window, you just kind of hand them money and, like, Speed off with your burger and fries or whatever. The inequality, the, there's an inherent inequality to service class, to the service and the served, that is that that suggests that you should treat someone somehow with less respect. I'm not saying that you that you the listener do or do it on purpose or whatever. I'm not accusing you of that. But what I'm what I am saying is that there are plenty of people who don't acknowledge that just because someone works at Burger King, just because someone comes to clean your house, just because someone does something for you does not make them less than you does not make them less valuable, does not make them whole people with whole lives. And commonly in um, cyber, in cyberpunk stories, the worst version of which I'm told, I haven't played the game because I only own a Switch currently, um, is in Detroit's Become Human. In many cyberpunk stories, those the, the narrative uses androids to explore an underclass, to explore a class of people who were designed to be maids, butlers, you know, housekeepers, nannies, all of the above. And explore, and by them becoming sentient, and becoming, like, useful, and, and becoming, and wanting full lives, it starts to explore how the people being served by those androids are abusing these people simply because Society is set up that you don't treat them like humans because they're not humans. They will never be humans. That and that will never matter. There's a there's a similar. There is an occurrence like this in in human history, and that occurrence is, of course, slavery. Um, and if you're like, wait, what? Of course, slavery. Where, how did we get to this? If you think about it, it makes sense. And I'm not kidding. The, 
when slaves were a thing, when slavery was still in effect, slaves did everything for their owners, for the quote-unquote owners. And when I, when I say everything, I mean they tended to the house, they tended to the fields, they drew baths, they did they prepared clothes. They did all of the, like, little shit that, you know, we all do now, but we all really don't want to do. And we all think to ourselves, I, I could live with nine butlers, one for each thing I never want to touch again. And that, in, in the wealthiest case, was what slavery was for white people. And in the worst cases, it was a form of, like, slavery also led to sexual abuse, rape, unwanted pregnancy, the whole nightmare. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm not. There is a section of my ancestor, of my 23andMe chart that I affectionately refer to, and I told this to a, a, a porn star who said... <laughs> 100% Japanese, 100% inbred. In response to her chart, I said, it's okay. This is a section of my, of my chart that I lovingly refer to as some slave shit. Because I am half white, half black. But in my, ancest in my ancestry DNA, the white butts right up against a lot of your like, Caucasian, European, Anglo-Saxon nightmare stuff. And what that basically says is, some masters were having sex with some slaves. <laughs> and th does that make me any less of who I am? Does that make me not half black, not half white? No. It means that there was an abuse of power. And... The world of Time of Eve suggests that not the sexual abuse of power exists, although I'm sure it does, um, but that the service imbalance of power exists, and that the servants, the servant class, the androids, are starting to gain an interior life. Slowly but surely. It's not, it's shown as not being quite there yet, but it ultimately will get there. And you see that bloom in the relationship between Rico and Sammy. And that relationship happens at first exclusively in Time of Eve. But then more and more, and slowly but surely, in their everyday life, and in the way that that in the, in the way that they treat each other, and but primarily the way Rico treats Sammy, the the android, in in their private lives and even in their public life, Rico finds himself standing up for her. Rico finds himself not. Asking her to do so much. Rico finds himself caring for her. And what's great about the show. Is that at no point does the show act 
cause the main character to ask, like, why do I feel this way? It's just kind of slowly but quietly accepted. And it's just... It's this beautiful... It, turn, it turns into this beautiful story of the barriers fall, falling away and of the, like, societal structures that caused change to be unacceptable when it did happen, be moved aside by at least one person to allow it to happen. And that's, that's really important, because oftentimes, when change isn't allowed to happen, it's just gonna... It's just gonna happen, no matter what. Um, and so I... I mainly kind of came to the conclusion to do this episode because my other episode was so about, like, fighting against a tendency some anime has to glorify the separation of people by gender, nationality, religion, whatever. And... I talked about that mostly with Tanya, but also a little bit with Code Geass. I've continued watching Code Geass. That show has changed as it's gone on, but there's still this core belief of one race versus another race that I find just very unnerving. Even if they've stopped in where I am in the show, even if they stopped dealing with the this land is our land and nobody fucking else is get the fuck off it. Um, but they want to, but they still want to lean on the, like, Japanese, on the idea of someone being Japanese and someone being Britannian and, like, that you can identify that shit. So, um, but on that note, if you like this episode... Or if you want to get ready for the Ava episode I'll be doing with my friend Lauren. Also, before I go, because I know it plays sometimes in her car, and if she got this far, hi Liz! Um, <laughs> but if you're looking forward to the, um, what's it called? To the episode with me and Lauren about Evangelion that's coming up. I think next week, probably. Yeah, next week, I think, is when that will probably go up. Um, but, well, next week... Next week is the 20th or 21st, so, yeah. It'll probably go up then. But, um, subscri- you can subscribe to this podcast in anywhere you're listening to this. Or on Apple. I'm on Apple. I'm on Google. I'm on Pocket Cast. I'm on Overcast. I'm on all the things, so you can... Subscribe on any of those platforms. You can also leave me a five-star review on any of those platforms. Um, that really helps the podcast. And the other thing I will tell you is, if you like anime and you've got a group of friends who likes anime, I would wager they haven't heard this show. You know, share it with them. Say, like, hey, there's this guy who's been watching anime since he was nine, and he's 30 now because he's super old. And he 
he makes an interesting podcast once a week about a show or a movie, usually anime, but sometime, but always related to anime somehow. And he's got this episode, super timely episode coming up on Evangelion. Maybe you should check it out if you've never seen that show because the world has become a weird mirror dimension in which the top two shows are not Cowboy Bebop and Evangelion. And on some level that makes my heart sing, on the other level it makes me weirdly sad. But that's probably because I'm old and confused. Um, <laughs> but until next time... You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. I've been Alex, and I will talk to you later.